Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You're listening to Bernstein and Holmes. Middays 10 to 2 on 670 The Score. Yeah, it was it was tough. Uh, I was torn. My wife, kids, uh, I love Michigan, but I love the NFL too. And uh, there's no Lombardi trophy in, in college football. And, yeah, I got so many... Sands left in the hourglass, and I want, I want to take a crack at that, and there's, there's uh, nowhere better to do it than with the Los Angeles Chargers. Like sand through the hourglass. Or, or sands. Or sands. Or grains of sand, however you want to phrase it. Jim Harbaugh. Or sands sand. Is leaving. What a good idea. Because he's chasing the Lombardi Trophy, and he can leave this this swirl of insanity that has become major college sports to other people because now these these college staffs have to have a lot more than coaches on them. No doubt about it. And his staff was one of the people that had this be a whole thing. Last night, you know, I'm, I'm flipping around on reels, and every now and again, I'm, I'm guessing it's just in my algorithm, Max Brown, who was a quarterback at USC he was talking about a position in college football now called general manager he was talking about a player that a former player that had that role and his name was was Chris Morgan right Chris Morgan Mm -hmm. so he did that job at the University of Michigan and then he did that job at the University of Washington so two teams that he built faced off. And so th- that was kind of the whole crux of the piece is that the, the, the guy who built the two teams that were in the championship, that's what the story Ari Wasserman wrote it for The Athletic. It's a really good story. We're trying to get Ari on the show to talk about it. Like, think about that. I've heard even of, I've heard a lot of coaches that have been trying to, whether it's, put someone on a staff or if they're trying to put more women or minorities on staffs, we'll use the term chief of staff for a college football. I had never really heard of the term general manager. And this guy was the general manager of both teams. He's now the general manager of Alabama because he went with Kalen DeBoer down to Tuscaloosa after Nick Saban retired. And what we're talking about here is someone who understands, like, usually this guy, and I, I don't, I don't want to paint him as, like, a dark, shadowy figure, but usually this was the guy that we knew about but was never legitimized. Well, it used to be you'd also have a bag man. But that, that's what I mean. Where now it's a combination of recruiter coach agent it really is is and and sometimes you got pro personnel people too that you have the equivalent of people on your staff whose job it is to be a liaison to your collective 
to to make sure you know what money is available for anyone on any other team should they express interest. Courtney Morgan, not Chris Morgan. Courtney Morgan is who we're talking about. I literally, like, the person that we were talking about putting on the show texted me that. I told him, call the show. We want to talk to you about it. But anyway, yeah, I'm fascinated by all of this because it's showing that there has to be, like, a real structure that has to take place in the new world that is NIL. And you know me. I'm all about, I want kids to be able to go wherever they want. Like, I, I, I'm I, glad that there is a free agency. I know that there's some chaos that is that has now happened because of it. But I am fascinated by this. That, that this is, you. if you're trying to get ahead of things, then you better have someone who's going to help you out in this regard. You got to have someone who is more than one, at, le- more, but, but, at least one. But you got to have major someone that that understands this better than you know we do, and they do because you have coaches that have kind of been set in their ways for decades in some cases, and now this is the new frontier. How are you going to go about getting the players that you want? And how many times have we heard stories, Dan, about coaches stockpiling at the bottom of a roster? Well, that's over. That's way over. That's over. The idea that you're going to be at your skill positions, you're going to be 15 deep, and just your three running backs go down, and then you've got some freshman who you were going to redshirt. You're like, oh, you're in a 4-3? All right, get in there and and take it and, and go to the house. Not that way anymore. Oh, okay, so we have a, a, a someone who actually covers college football. My – office mate, Adam Rittenberg, you know, college football writer for ESPN, who happened to be listening because he's probably like trying to go through his notes from what Caitlin Clark was doing last night uh, up in Evanston. Adam, how are you, man? I'm doing great, guys. Yeah, great show. Uh, I was actually driving down to DePaul for my class, and so I wanted to give my guy, uh, Courtney Morgan, some love because he has done a great job, uh, like you guys said, building two outstanding teams. He's actually a former Michigan player, who then went from Michigan to Washington and then you know, had, had those two connections. So. so so is I imagine that this is now a position that a lot of head coaches are going to try and get. From what you've been able to figure out, what what is the role of the general manager in a college football program? Yeah, it's a good question. It kind of started a few years ago and it's become much more popular. Uh, it's certainly a personnel-based role. It's not dissimilar from – your director of player personnel, but you have a role also in staffing and, you know, kind of overseeing a program along with the head coach. That person is usually very co- close to the head coach. When Kalen DeBoer took the Alabama job, I remember I was talking with Courtney that same day, and by that night he was getting off a plane with Kalen DeBoer in Tuscaloosa. So usually if you like your general manager and that person's done a good job, especially in the personnel space, you are going to take that person with you everywhere kind of like a strength coach or if you're really in love with one of your coordinators so it it is a new position uh but but a very important one in college football what have been the the complaints that you've heard levied from current coaches or coaches who either took new jobs or walked away from college football overall well i think in general i just think that the lifestyle in the nfl 
uh, is just much, much better. It has been, and it's gotten even better because of the changes in college football with the schedule. I mean, the month of December, guys, think about this, especially with the expanded playoff. If you're preparing a team for the most important teams of the season, you're also having to deal with high school recruiting. Most high school recruits sign around December 20th. You also have to deal with the transfer portal opening uh, the Monday after championship weekend. So it's almost like the, the preparing for the playoff is like third on the list. You have to recruit your own roster. You've got to add your recruits from high school. You've got to make sure you're, you're attending to the portal. So it's a mess, and it's still going on. I mean, there's very few breaks in the calendar, and I know people don't want to cry for coaches who are making millions of dollars or at least the high six figures, but it, I think it's showing that if you can get to the NFL, even as a coordinator, even as kind of a fake coordinator, and we have those in college too, you're probably going to consider that job strongly just because of the lifestyle improvement you'll have at that level. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Adam, it was fascinating to me and really eye-opening to hear so many people talking about how far behind the curve what, whatever is left of the NCAA enforcement arm is or has right now. That they're, they don't know what they don't know. And even as they're trying to, to police tampering, they can't. And essentially, the, this person said that college players have more leverage than NFL players do because of the, the tampering structure that's in place in a league with actual contracts. That anybody representing a player could say, hey, we're just saying here, but just talking. What if so-and-so were in the portal? What would your collective have available for NIL if this person were interested? And that there's no way that it can be policed. No, the only way it can happen, Dan, and more college coaches are, are on board with this when I talk to them, is to go to a full employment model. It just makes it cleaner. And I understand from the college's side, oh, we can't do that, Title IX, but, but from a football standpoint, if a football player is on a contract, and you can negotiate that in recruiting. Are you signing for a year, two years, three years? it gives the teams a lot more security because you know that that player is unable to go into the portal. But they've done this to themselves by not getting ahead of NIL, by letting that period when all those waiver requests were coming in, including one from Justin Fields from Georgia to Ohio State that was kind of rubber stamped. Then you're getting to the portal and to the one-time transfer deal with collectives and money thrown around. It's really a chaotic sport right now, and I don't know other than going, again, to full-on employment with collectives bargaining and very clear guidelines on either side how it, it comes down to a degree from a personnel standpoint how close are we to the football schools abandoning the NCAA overall you know, it's interesting Lawrence in the spring of 2022 there's a big meeting every spring out in Arizona where all the many of the, the the major athletic directors and coaches are in one spot and coming out of that meeting in 2022 I thought we were really close and then they kind of walked it back. But I think when, when you see, you know, these, these, these you know, cherry-picked situations that 
the NCAA is now going to say, we're coming after you, Florida State, and we're coming after you, Tennessee. I, I do think it pushes that group closer and closer to finding a solution for football, at least, that's away from the NCAA. I, again, I thought we'd be there uh, very close already. I do think these enforcement situations accelerate that process. I think we take it a step further. I think if you really are trying to get ahead of it, it's time to divorce the football team from the, the, university. the university. And essentially, if these are making prof- club, if these are professional teams, whatever you have to do, rather than it be, you can call it whatever you want and do the paperwork however you want. But essentially, these are minor league professional teams. These are developmental teams that happen to carry the banner of a given university. Right, and, and, and you, you, you've already had you know, a lot of these booster organizations that are separate anyway, so I think we could certainly get there uh, potentially in the next few years. I think there just needs to be a greater acknowledgement of, of what it is. And um, you know, these individual situations, even though they're difficult for the schools to go through, I think do shine a spotlight on this is how it's being done, and it's being done this way at a lot of, a lot of places. Tennessee feels like they're being victimized, but it really does happen – to two different degrees uh, you know, around the country in college football. We're talking with Adam Rittenberg, senior college football writer for ESPN. He was just kind of listening and driving to work at, at DePaul, which I'll get to you in a minute. Dan and I have spent a lot of time this week talking a, a, a lot more women's college basketball yeah. than we usually do. Part of the reason for that is incredible players like Caitlin Clark. What was that like seeing that up close and watching the impact that she's had on the game. It, it was amazing guys. You know, I, I'd been doing some advanced reporting for a, a larger story on, you know, the, the Caitlin Clark road show, so to speak. So I talked to some uh, other, you know, I talked to Lisa Bluter, their coach. I talked to some other schools where she played road games, but to actually see it, to see the line, you know, stretching from the Welsh Ryan Arena exits all the way to Ashland Avenue. You're talking to people who'd shown up at you know, 10 a.m. or you know, 1 in the afternoon for a 7 o'clock game because most of these women's basketball games are general admission. So it is first come, first serve as far as positioning yourself for Caitlin Clark and then people hanging over the tunnel. I, I, I was kind of standing behind the tunnel as she came out last night to the locker room after the game, and I, I just had never seen a college athlete you're treated like that from a security standpoint, from photographers, obviously from fans. She's signing some autographs, and she is genuinely appreciative of, of the position she's in. But you know, two security officers get you know escorting her in through through the back entrance to the arena. It, it's it's quite a phenomenon. I you know somebody brought up Jimmer Fredette, People on social media last night that may be a comp, but I, I have not seen too many individual college athletes that are able to cross over to the mainstream and capture as many people as she has. There were obviously a lot of Iowa people there last night, but I think there were just a lot of people in Iowa stuff because they love Caitlin Clark. How much does she make yearly in NIL? Ooh, I mean, it's, it's you know, certainly with the State Farm and the Gatorade. And, I mean, she's, she, she, she's, she's, she's up there um, at the very top, Dan. And it's going to be very interesting to see what she does because she can return to Iowa for another season because of the COVID year. Or, or obviously move on to the to, to the to the WNBA. But that's why Where I asked. She she's going to make a lot more yeah. money in, in, in that she would I, in the I WNBA. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because of, of of this brand that she has built, being from Iowa, uh, you know, you know play, playing in the Big Ten and, and obviously in the NCAA tournament, there there is an argument to be made 
that she should stay and absolutely maximize every cent of her value at the college level before moving on to a league that has a lot of good players but doesn't have the, as many true national superstars as, as right now college uh, women's college basketball does. Well, what do you think about that phenomenon? I, w- I was joking about it earlier this week that if you were to ask like your average sports fan to name other than maybe Zach Eady on the men's side, I think that they would have a hard time. But I think that they know Caitlin Clark and Angel Reese. You know what I mean? Like Paige Becker. I, yeah, I, I think there there are some more. It's we're at a strange place where the women's game might have more household names than the men. And why hasn't Caitlin Clark been made? Why didn't somebody double that? Why can't Connecticut right now say whatever you're making there, we'll double it? Or Stanford, whatever you're making there, we'll double it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, certainly they, they can try. I think with their endorsements, it doesn't really matter. Um, but but there's you know there's certainly an argument. There was a, a top player, I forget her name, who went from Louisville to uh, LSU. Haley Van Lith uh, with yep. Angel Reed. Yep. Yes, yes, Haley exactly. So you can certainly you can certainly do that. I mean, I was at a, a Maryland, the Maryland Northwestern men's game uh, with my kids a few weeks ago, and the Northwestern students were all over Angel Reese's brother, saying, "You know, Angel's better. She makes more money than you." And like, yes, that's true. Right now, she is better. She does make more money, but it's great recognition that that you know, uh, e- even though they're kind of heckling this guy, uh, it's an acknowledgement of how far some of these star women's players have come. And I do wonder, is it, is it social media? Is it the way that Caitlin plays? Is it, is it is the way that some of these other uh, star players at the women's level have performed that have lifted them up? Because we all remember you know, all the great Connecticut players and the Tennessee players, uh, Candace Parker and others. Why have this group of players elevated so much? And like to your point, beyond the men, who typically are only one and done or two and done, um, they, you know, the, the Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark are, have been around for a while and really built their brands at the college level. Adam, you know you got to get to class, but I, I, speaking of the place where you're going to teach class, I had a, a texter bring this up last week, and it seemed crazy, and then I thought about it a little bit, and I've, I'm actually now like fully endorsing this idea. I would love to know what you would think about it. Do you think that it makes sense, as DePaul is looking for a new men's coach, for them to reach out to Don Staley? Oh, uh, you, you know, I think she's obviously had interest uh, or received interest rather um, for, for, for men's jobs, college and the NBA. It's worth a shot. I think what DePaul can't do, it, no matter which direction they go, is to get, you know, I, I don't want to say older, but I, I feel like they need somebody who's not descending on their career. They need somebody who's ascending who's maybe a young and upper-comer or somebody that's just done well, who might only be there for three years yes. and then bounce to a bed. That's okay. That happens in a lot of places. I don't know why DePaul has had this series of you know, kind of older coaches on the downside of their careers. Why do you have to be that? You can be something else, even if you're just a stepping stone, because at least it'll bring some success to, to this program. But, you know, Don Staley, I, you know, certainly somebody that they could – reach out to i don't know if it'll go anywhere but i I, they have to be thinking broader because you can't have another bad hire each one of these bad hires just adds to the misery around this program i was there lawrence 2004 buffalo new york the last time they made the ncaa tournament you know 20 years now it's been it's been really depressing since It, it really really has well thank you so much for calling in good luck with class today and we'll talk to you soon sounds good guys appreciate you 
That is Adam Rittenberg, senior college writer for ESPN. It's so funny because in our pre-show meeting, we, would, we were talking about it, and I said, we should really get Adam Rittenberg on this. Yes. And, and, then, and then Ray's like, you know, that might take a little more lead time. He's busy that he's with ESPN, so we have to get some permissions to maybe do that. And he was covering college right. basketball he's coming last on, night. So then we start talking, and he calls it. <laughs> Which is great. Fantastic. That's how, how it's supposed to work if you're doing it right. Yeah, Texer, don't sleep on, on Anissa Morrow. Yeah, I think that part of the problem at LSU this year is there's too much talent and not enough basketballs. And if you watch their game against Mississippi State this past week, you saw it. You saw it play out. They don't know who to go to when the game is on the line. Well, I thought they had the, the greatest coach in the world. Well, see, here here's the very interesting Even thing about she's that. A- Here's the very interesting thing about that. This year, Kim Mul- like, like people people who don't like Kim do Mulkey like are her. pointing to the fact of coach your team. Do you actually are you actually a good coach? Coach your team. We know that you're a good recruiter. Yep. But can you actually coach? Because there were moments like I think that she's turning. I think that she looks at Haley Van Lith and goes me. And I don't think that Haley Van Lith is the same player as Kim Mulkey was. I think Haley Van Lith is a killer from the outside. Let her shoot. Remember when, when Kim Mulkey had COVID and she came out in the press conference she was, and she's like, I'm coughing on everybody and I might have COVID and I'm not getting a test. Yes. Like, oh, that's awesome. Great. Yes. It's really, I, it's really nice of you. I do remember yeah, that. Thanks, thanks. Thanks so much. It was unfortunate. Yeah. Lovely. Awesome.